This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, February 4th, 2022, and my guest is the excellent Joshua Vergara. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for having me back. You, I, When we were planning this out, I remember you were saying something to the effect of, it's been like two years? Yeah, roughly. Like I think the last time was 2020 sometime. Okay. Was it during... I know, I know. It's always the terminology. Was it during pandemic or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was like April or something. Like we were just kind of like, oh, this is no big deal, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was watching Tiger King and like, <laughs> yeah, yep, that's right. And then I had you before that in 2019. I think I was just looking, so that's why I know. Otherwise, I wouldn't know this. So hey, we have a bunch of stuff. There's some leaks and rumors. Obviously, the Galaxy S22 is just around the corner, so that's going to probably be the big news item in the next couple of shows. But there's other stuff, and uh, you know, you and I've been playing with a phone recently, and I don't know what else is there. I was actually looking at your Instagram stuff, and I noticed that I noticed that you had a little bit of time on a big old tractor. So I kind of wanted oh, right. to, to ask what was going on there. <laughs> well, so you know, John Deere released uh, and uh, the first autonomous tractor at CS this year, right? Yes, and that was really fun to look at. Obviously. Tractors have been automated to some extent for a while. Like, I don't think people know this. I'm not a farmer, but, you know, John Deere's been at CS for a few years now because they do a lot of tech and they've been kind of teaching us these things. So that's how I know the stuff. But basically, mm-hmm. apparently for the last 20 years or so, a lot of farmers have just been able to sit in their cab and monitor their tractor following a GPS track that's preset of back and forth for tilling or whatever they're doing. And that's great. Like that just uses GPS and basically a computer control of the tractor. But this is one step beyond that. It's basically mm-hmm. there's nobody in the cab. Now, the, Whoa. you know, the tractor has cameras, has the ability to see and decide if there's an obstacle or whatever, right? Basically think autopilot like on the Tesla, right? But for your tractor. And here's the thing, right? It's much more complex to do this in a car because you have, you know, you're going way faster. I think the top speed of this tractor is 10 miles an hour. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. And then, (laughs) you know, what are you going to have on a field? You're going to have maybe an animal, a stray animal, a wild animal, or you're going to have like, there is, you didn't know it, but like there's a ditch there that wasn't supposed to be there. Or like maybe there is a, I don't know, like some junk, right? Some garbage that's just sitting there and it's in the way of the path of the tractor. So the way this works is pretty cool, actually. You have an app, right? So John Deere's had an app for a while to control all this stuff and it gathers data and helps you like become a better farmer by giving you data-driven stuff because data-driven is the way to go in everything these days, it seems. So basically, you know, you bring the tractor to your field, wherever it is. In advance, you geofence. I mean, this has already been done because of, in the past, the GPS automation with the person in the cab. So you geofence the field and then you can tell it based on the kind of crop and the the sun orientation, which direction, which angle to do the back and forth in that space, right? And so that's all pre-programmed anyway. So you bring it to the entrance and you, in the past, you used to like sit in the cab and push a button and it would do its thing. And you'd be like, you know, keeping an eye on it, like autopilot today, where you're in the car keeping an eye. But this is autonomous. You don't have to be in there. So it's like level four or five autonomy, like what Tesla 
you know, call self full self-driving, which doesn't really work yet, right? But that's real and it's on a tractor right now. So what they're doing is you you have this slider, you know, kind of like slide to unlock on your iPhone, but but it's like slide to start, and then the thing beeps for like 10 seconds, like telling everybody around it, yo. I'm here, I'm doing my thing, I'm a 40-ton machine that's going <laughs> to obliterate you if you get in my way, right? So it does that, and then it starts, and it does its thing, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And if it finds an obstacle, it stops, like dead in its track. I've never seen something stop that quickly. And it sends you on your phone a notification with a photo of whatever the obstacle is it found. And it oh, wow. lets you decide right there, like, should I go around it? Should I go over it because it's really nothing? Or should I? Sh are you coming to help me out somehow, right? Mm -hmm. So you get choices and it's very interesting. So when I found out about this for CS, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And so I pinged my editor at TechRadar and I said, hey, you know, we cover cars and vehicles with ADAS, Advanced Driver Automation System, right? Like basically autopilot, all that kind of stuff. So why don't we cover this? Because it's not on the roads, but it's a much more controlled environment, so it's actually much more feasible. And it's kind of technology that's probably going to help us realize the thing in cars eventually because it's being tested like every day in real life, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, they were on board. So they said, can you arrange it? So I, I pinged John Deere and they said, hey, you know, you don't, we don't have to fly you anywhere cold or far away. We have a test farm just south of Silicon Valley with all the equipment. So would you like to come and check it out? So I'm like, you're kidding me? I get to check out a tractor that drives itself and, and get this, I got to drive it too. They taught me oh, to drive the tractor. Awesome. Well, that's that's the thing because um, Jaime, of course, my colleague over at uh, Pocket Now, he yeah. was able to visit the headquarters out in Iowa, and I, I'm sure that's like somewhere in my future. But when I saw that you were there and you were checking it out in California, being California people, I was like, I, I kind of just want to stay in California if I can. <laughs> yeah, you could drive up here. Um, they probably could put you up. It's in Gilroy, I think, which is, I guess, like an hour south or half an hour south of San Jose. So yeah. it's still kind of Bay Area-ish. Mm -hmm. but it would be closer to LA because it's in the South. It's in that direction. So exactly. you know, shave I off an hour and a half of driving to get to San Francisco. And and the nice thing is, you you know, you'd probably want to take 101 and get up that way. So mm -hmm. you'd get the scenic route up to the Bay Area. But yeah. yeah, dude, it's amazing to see this thing in action and it works very well. So it has three sets of cameras in the front, like front, left, front, 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 right. And then three sets of cameras on the back, like back, 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 left, back, right. And they're both, like all of them are double cameras. They're like stereo, so they can see like a, a human. They can see depth. And that's basically all they do. That The tractor is not custom. This is a standard tractor that they've been selling for a few, few years that already has the GPS automation. So, you know, it has the computer controls for the brakes and the steering and stuff like that so that they just tuck the cameras on and a big computer to it. And it has 4G connectivity already, so that's not a problem. So it basically, it's a retrofit. So if you're a customer of John Deere right now, a farmer, and you want this, you have to have the right tractor, which is one of their fancier ones and bigger ones. But then once you have that, it's like, I think, a subscription base. They don't didn't tell me any pricing because, you know, it's probably like a negotiate on a per, you know, farm basis mm -hmm. because they probably have multiple tractors and stuff, the bigger farms. So anyway... Yeah, the future is now. It was pretty unreal. I was in the cab while it was doing its automation. I was outside the cab. I flew a drone over it. Like <laughs> nice. I did a whole bunch of stuff. 
I'll have some content on my YouTube channel, I think, at some point as well, in addition to my story for Tech Radar. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Is that mobile? Yeah, I guess it is, right? I like mean, it's, it's, a, it's autonomy, mobile, yeah. like it kind of all blends together. The fact that you had to swipe to unlock the tractor is hilarious to me. So, <laughs> Also, it sends you a notification if you have an Apple Watch or like an Android Wear Watch. You know, those John Deere app notifications pop up with visuals. So you see like your Apple Watch. I have a photo of the Apple Watch showing like a, a garbage can in the middle of the field and the tractor stopped <laughs> in front of it, right? And I'm just like... Like this 40 ton machine is like talking to an Apple watch that wears four grams. I'm joking. That's it's probably fantastic. 40 grams, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> you have a phone that I also have while well, you had it I that had it, yeah. we both kind of have thoughts about. And, and so we're going to review the Xperia Pro I because mm-hmm. what a phone, but also, uh, Sony, right? <laughs> I liked your it, intro, by the way. The you know this is probably the most Sony phone ever. It really is. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's. Um, I, I follow a lot of like the Japanese companies because like I'm a big PlayStation fan, and of course Sony. And I mean, my camera right now on the on the video call is a Panasonic. So like, I really. I, I tend to have sort of like a, a lot of thoughts as to how these Japanese companies operate, and Sony is a really interesting one because. When you, if you're a PlayStation fan, you know that Sony never budges. They pretty much never budge on their ecosystems. They never budge on their designs. They're going to go super left field, but you're just going to end up liking it over time. And I think that's what they're trying to do with the experience. Now, my, my main point I wanted to make in that video that I made was, this is a fantastic smartphone. It's a great smartphone. I agree. It's, it's when you get to the cameras that you start to see how Sony just doesn't want to budge. They want to keep going with this whole full manual, like, let's give you all of the controls because let's face it, Sony just threw their hands up and they were like, algorithmic processing, who knew it? Like, <laughs> no, we're never going to, we're never going to get it. I feel like that's what they keep saying whenever they release a new Xperia and you don't, you because one of the pitfalls with the work that we do is that we, we have the curse of comparison. Yeah. And of course, when the Pro-I came out, everyone was like, well, the Pixel 6 Pro just come out. It just doesn't give me that ease of use and the level of quality with the ease of use that we have on the Pixel 6 Pro. And I'm like, I get that. But of course, a company is going to choose their direction for every smartphone that they release. And the Pro-I is a direction we haven't seen in any smartphone until now. 100%. So, you know, I reviewed the Xperia 1 Mark II before that. And then I currently also have the Xperia 5 Mark III, which is that trick telephoto with the periscope where it changes variable zoom on the periscope. But it's only two positions, 3X and 4.4X. And so... In my experience with these all these phones is that, you know, I think I'm seeing some progress. Like, you know how you're saying, you know, they're kind of entrenched in, and they are. But I think that the fact that they've now merged the full auto, you know, consumer-based camera app, the basic mode that they call, yeah. into the Camera Pro app. It used to be two separate apps in the past. So there is some progress there. And I have to say that in full basic mode, it does automatically switch to macro and night mode and it does a bit of an image stacking night mode so some there is some computational stuff happening there i think overall in basic mode this phone feels like a phone from a year or two ago in terms of computational and results like every now and then it matches the pixels and galaxies and and iphones and this is in basic mode like in the you know easy mode 
Um, and so I think they're kind of working on it and getting there. They're not completely ignoring computational, but it's not their strength. Yes. And it's only when, as you said in your video, you switch it to the, the, the kind of the alpha modes that are there and the alpha user experience with like that tactile haptic feedback on the dials and manual control. That stuff is really delightful. And on the Xperia Pro I, you even get double like variable two-step aperture on the main lens which is that one inch sensor so i think that you know it does deliver like that main lens every time i saw your footage and i look at my photos that i took it's a huge improvement over what's even on the xperia 5 mark 3 or my one mark 2 that i had two two years ago so you know it's definitely something to be said the question is though you know, as you pointed out in your video, you have a ZV1, right? As, you know, mm-hmm. the ZV1, the, the the blogger cam. And like, put that in your pocket and bring, you know, an iPhone or, you know, a Google or Galaxy with you, right? A Pixel or a Samsung phone with you. Because then you're done. Um, you get the best of both worlds because the ZV1 is like an amazing camera for vlogging. But I'm not sure you'd want to use your main phone, especially once you start accessorizing with that rear monitor and that handle, that grip. At that point, just bring a ZV1, right? Well, did you get the? Did you no, get the full vlogging? No, they didn't send me kit? that kit. Oh, that that to me that really made the experience. If you of ask course. me, of um, course, because it just made it so that. A smartphone, we've always kind of wrestled with this idea that a smartphone could be a great vlogging machine, but it's missing certain features that we go to the cameras like a ZV-1 for, a flip-out screen, um, mic inputs, all of that stuff. And this is one of those situations where Sony once again reared their ugly head and they were like, we have great ideas. Here's our great idea. Here's the problem, though. You have to pay so much to get it, and it's only available for this one phone. And it's like, that's such a Sony thing to do. I know, (laughs) totally. (laughs) Yeah, but I do like what they've done with this phone. I don't know if you see it in the video, folks. There it is. It's it's, uh, pretty, pretty cool. It has uh, some really cool design. I love those kind of ridges on the sides, kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of that ill-fated red hydrogen one in some oh, ways. Oh, man, yeah. Um, the only fault, as as a smartphone, this is a phenomenal, as you said, it's a phenomenal phone. It's a, you know, it's a it's a mature flagship in every way. It's Snapdragon yes. 888. It's last year's mature. I mean, it came out last year, so you can't blame it. It came out before the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 was announced. So it's fair. The only thing that I feel that they should have included that is, it's on the uh, One Mark Three and the all the ones, you know, the Xperia One Mark Two original Mark Three is the wireless charging. This they somehow remove it from the Five, which is I'm reviewing right now, and they removed it from the Pro I. Now on the original Pro, remember the one that was used as an HDMI monitor? Yeah. They removed it because they had a different case, like it was, and they had the millimeter wave antennas, and it was a thing. But in this one, it's glass back, and I don't understand mm-hmm. why they had to remove it. And then more importantly, it has no millimeter wave, not that anybody cares. But it's interesting that it's a <laughs> flagship that has US 5G support, unlike the Mark II. The Mark IIs did not have US band support for 5G. They had 5G, but no US band. So the three, mm-hmm. the Mark III and this Pro-I finally have 5G for the US, but no millimeter wave. So when you're spending $1,800, you know, I'm okay to accommodate sony's weirdness on the camera side because that's what you buy it for but then then give me the the whole enchilada right like i want my wireless charging i want my millimeter wave you know the rest of the phone is phenomenal as you said 4k display 120 hertz yeah 21 by 9 display so it's nice there's no notches or 
you know, cutouts of any kind. It's actually got a pretty great audio experience as well. Those speakers are pretty good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Headphone jack, great stereo speakers. I mean, it supports every codec for Bluetooth you can possibly imagine, which is awesome. LDAC, which is missing on so many phones. I mean, look, it's really a Sony thing through and through, but then you have no wireless charging and it's $1,800. And I'm sorry, I know that's a minor detail to some people, but to me, it's Mm -hmm. not. I'm just like, how could you? You have it on the Xperia 1 Mark III, which is a what? $1,300 $1,300 phone? <laughs> Which, I think so, yeah. Like, so so why, anyway, and then the other thing that I feel is, is you know, as you said, it's like, I love if basic mode could maybe not quite match, but come closer to a Pixel, an iPhone, or a Galaxy that's like in the last year, right? And they're still not well, there. Can I ask you a question in that regard? Because I remember I got a couple of comments on my camera test because I did vlog with the phone while at CES. And again, the vlogging kit was amazing. But I made a point that because I'm so used to the way a smartphone captures content and whatnot, I felt like I was not forced, but it just felt like the right thing to do was to go into the Video Pro app and just like on Photo Pro, auto. I would just hit that auto. Yeah. And are you, where do you land on that? Because like, do you dive into the manual settings a lot? Are you actually dialing it in every single time? Because obviously we do that with our cameras, our actual cameras. But on a smartphone, it just doesn't feel like a natural fit. You're 100% right. First of all, I want to let everyone know that I'm going to link to your two videos, the one for Pocket Now, the oh, review, and the actual CS vlog from your channel on the show notes. So please, folks, give Josh some love and watch those and like them and all that stuff. You know how YouTube works. But secondly, <laughs> for me, it's been a struggle. I'm reviewing this 5 Mark III, and I reviewed the Pro I, you know, basically, you know, we're doing this review right now, basically. And if I have to be honest... It's very rare that I go into manual control or even shutter priority or the other, the program mode, because it's like, yes, the experience is solid, but I don't have time for that. Like it's a phone, right? I want to take a photo now. So then I'm in basic mode and then I'm getting a lesser experience with it than I get for, you know, $800 less on a Galaxy, you know, S21 Ultra that's currently probably on sale for $1,000. So that's the crazy part, because when you think about it, there are phones that are $1,000 less than the Pro Exactly, I. that are just as good, like our Pixel 6, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so the point is like, I have to admit that I'm finding myself using the basic or the auto alpha modes more than the manual modes and the shutter priority and all the other settings. And there's also aperture priority on the uh, Pro I since it has a dual aperture on the main lens. So, yep. you know, all that is great. And it's nice to have dual aperture on the main lens because if you don't want that creamy bouquet because you're trying to capture a person in the front and there's stuff behind them, you yeah. can switch it. And it's really nice to have all that. Like, I'm on board, but I kind of question the why because I'm just like, ultimately, I'd rather just take a ZV-1 with me alongside mm-hmm. if I really need that stuff. And it's not really going to take that much space in my pocket. And so I don't know how to explain this phone to people. Like, conceptually, I want it. And I understand what they're doing. And I'm on board. And I'm imagining myself going in and dialing all the settings and you know being creative. But the reality is, I pull around my pocket. I'm in a rush. I want to take that photo. I mash the button in basic mode. And then I'm disappointed because, you know, maybe uh, half the time I'm not getting a pixel-level photo, you know? Mm-hmm. So how do you resolve that? I was going to ask you a question uh, just like that about how you resolve that kind of thing. 
Do you think we're ever going to get to a point where Sony actually matches its competitors in the computational side, but still gives you all of that control? Because that could be a match made in heaven. And that could be, that might be a $3,000 phone, but who knows? <laughs> well, I think that they're learning. I mean, I'm seeing some progress, as I said. It's better. Their computational stuff is better than it was before. And it's all now integrated in a single app, you know? And I think they're doing it the right way. But I feel like. You know, I also don't want to discourage Sony from making these crazy niche phones. Somebody needs Agreed. to do it. Somebody needs to have the audacity and insanity to go like, <laughs> I'm going to make an $1,800 phone. Watch this, bitches. You know, like, yeah, I kind of love it. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, but why and how? Even I, as a camera enthusiast who has Sony cameras, feel like I'm not really in the mood half the time. Maybe it's because of fatigue and jaded and journalism, right? Maybe I just like... Maybe a little bit, yeah. I only have so much time to play with this phone and review it, so blah. But I don't think I don't think that's it. I think at the core, we've been so spoiled by computational photography, even those of us who are really into imaging, that when we hold a slab of glass and metal in our hands, we instantly just want to mash the button, right? Yeah, and they did, if, if they were ever able to actually marry the two, they already have all of the things that people like us want on the phones, which is like hardware buttons, uh, oh my actual God, shutter. So good. Yeah. So I, well, I yeah. love the industrial design on these phones. Like I love the squarish look. I like the 21 to 9 aspect ratio, at least on the bigger phones, because on the 5 series, it's so narrow. It's iPhone 13 mini width. So it's like uh, typing on a keyboard with my big fingers is a bit of a disaster. Uh, but that's just a me thing. Some people are going to sure. love that. But I feel yeah. like that 6.5, the larger screen format yeah. that they have on the, the Pro i and the one, Xperia 1 series is the right, it's the right form factor. And God damn it, look at that thing. It's so hot. Like it's metal yeah. and glass and so well built and put together. You're getting your $1,800 worth of hardware in this thing. It even has a notification light. Like, Come on, I love it. Like, like it feels so retro, but yet so right. So, you, you know, that's why I don't understand why they put wireless charging. They every, everything but the kitchen sink in this, and then they just drop the ball. Like, millimeter mm. wave, I can kind of understand because only Verizon's really doing it and nobody really cares. Yeah. But anyway, it's just strange. And so then, <laughs> you know, I don't want them to stop. I don't want to give them a bad review. I don't want people to like not buy it because then. Uh, what happens if Sony decides to throw the, the towel, like, you know, and, and give up like LG did, right? Like, I, I don't want that. I don't, I, I think they'll stick around, um, if anything, because again, it's a very Sony thing to create a hardcore product that only certain users want. And if there's anything that I, if, if there's one thing I know about like Japanese companies like this is that they're always trying to create their, their products for home base. That's the True. first thing. Japan always makes... And they have a pretty big market share still over there, right? In Japan. They really do, yeah. yeah. Japanese companies make stuff for Japan. There's there's a reason why everyone talks about K-pop instead of J-pop. It's because J-pop is made for Japanese people. K-pop is made for everyone else. So that's <laughs> the Good analogy. Um, I love it. So that's why I think about uh, the Sony devices. They're still going to come out. They're still like they they finally ramped up their production to the point where we're actually getting releases every single year. That didn't used to be the case, um, but they are going to keep making them for their most hardcore fans and i hope that that continues just like you said uh, i think it will because they do still have that contingency yeah i'm look i'm on board i just want it to be somewhat viable for them so you know if you're listening sony keep up the good work make sure you add every feature like wireless charging mm -hmm. because 
at that price point, it's kind of hard to point at the phone and say, ah, it doesn't have that. Like you can't have any excuses, right? But at the same time, yeah, kind of start merging that computational basic mode with some manual stuff. You know, maybe you can have like some, the, the, the alpha modes are just, you know, raw, like hardcore, the old way everything's done. You know, you're still going to need some computational stuff because to even with OIS, which these phones have, to stabilize, you still need some electronic stabilization. You need, you need to do the image stacking. You don't have large enough pixels and big enough glass. So, you know, maybe have switches in there to turn that off on the alpha. So you can say like, sure, if you don't yeah. want any of that stuff, you can we're going to turn off noise reduction for you. We're going to give you a raw image that you can process in Lightroom. All that needs to happen. But I would love to see kind of hybrid where you get the basic mode, which is kind of close to a Pixel iPhone or Galaxy flagship in terms of quality. And then when you go down to the actual alpha things, you have settings in there to say, I want multi-image stacking with a separate setting for, I want noise reductions. You know, I want the sharpening. So you can actually decide which computational features you want. Like that, nobody gives you that level of control, right? Yeah, That would be true. the kind of the heavenly thing for me, in my opinion. But hey. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the Pro-Eye. Um, I think we covered most of it, really. Battery life could be a little better. I mean, 4,500 milliamp hour, I think it is. It's not the best. I I run into this problem all the time, and I'm running into it right now with phones that I'm reviewing at the moment, or just not really reviewing. I try not to use the word review as much anymore, but um, that I'm looking at. I can't really talk about battery life a whole lot because when I use a phone as my main, it's on Android Auto anyway, so it's constantly being topped up. Right. I always have that problem, so I can't really say too much about the battery life. It did fine. Like, it worked the entire day at CES. It's fine, but it's not, you know, a lot of the phones today have 5,000 or more even, and you can literally use them for two days if you're not, like, hammering at them with games or something. And with this, it was just like, uh, you do so much content creation, right? Video and photos that it it does dwindle down pretty quickly. So, you know... What I'm saying is that it's a large enough phone that I would expect a slightly larger battery maybe. But I mean, again, you know, you're not buying that phone for that. Like you, Mm -hmm. you're not going to concern yourself with that, the pedestrian stuff when you buy an $1,800 Pro-I, okay? um, But I get it, but I still think again, you know, that's, these are my only, like, honestly, the software is so stock, it's responsive, there's tons of RAM and storage, you have micro SD, like, I mean, you have everything, headphone jack, oh my God, so happy, right? And <laughs> it's a good DAC and a good amp, you know, and mm-hmm. it supports, like, they have their uh, their bitrate upsampling stuff built in, uh, which nobody else really does very well, and it sounds fantastic. You can basically upsample any content that comes in audio-wise to, you know, know 96 kilohertz you know 24 bit or whatever and and i i know a lot of people think this is voodoo and it doesn't work but as somebody who's worked in audio professionally for three decades in some way or another i can tell you that with the right headphones and the right content you can hear the difference upsampling Mm -hmm. is real it works it gives you a slightly better experience so I'm happy they have that. And it's in hardware. You don't have to do anything. It's free. It it really did feel like there was just almost too much to talk about with the phone. Oh, That's yeah. why, especially for me, like I try to keep my videos below the 15 minute mark. But it, if I really dove into every little thing that this phone was capable of, you're right. It is an $1,800 phone through and through when you compare it to its constituents, um, camera notwithstanding. Yeah, it could have been like a 30-minute video, and I I almost wish that I still had the phone. I had to return it. I mean, that's yeah. just how it is with Sony. But um, 
I wish I almost wish that I had the phone so I could do multiple videos on it. Um, not that I have the time for it, but I'm just saying to really give it its due diligence. It takes a lot more than just a 10 minute video. And I could only cover so much in those two videos that I did. hundred percent. And I, I'm going to say that, you know, it's kind of a hard sell, what I'm going to say, because as a second phone, maybe like if you have an iPhone, like, you know, maybe this is the marriage made in heaven. You have an iPhone and a Sony Xperia because yeah. the iPhone gives you, you know, great apps, uh, great battery life, you know, millimeter wave 5G, wireless charging, and, you know, this incredibly good computational camera experience. Now, it's not quite pixel good in my opinion, but it's close enough, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get this Xperia that is a really solid Android phone, right? Like has all the bells and whistles. And you're going to get this manual camera experience that's second to none, right? Yeah. So maybe that's the ticket. But then again, if you're that kind of person with that kind of budget, you probably have an Alpha 7 or a ZV-1 or a Panasonic or a, you know, Fuji of some kind already, like some pocketable camera that you love. And even one potentially with interchangeable lenses. So at that point, hard to justify. I don't know. It's... I don't want to not sell this phone. Like I want <laughs> this review to be a positive review. Like I gave it a four out of five. I had to give it a, like if I had to write a review right now for hot hardware, I give this phone a four out of five. It's worth it. You're going to be happy with this phone for two years that you have it. No problem. Yeah. But you're making some compromises and you're paying a lot of money. And so this is something you have to decide for yourself. And, yeah. you know, the compromises are mostly in, the mash away at the shutter button modes, right? Like the inability to really match the state of the art for computational stuff, as you said. And then think little things like wireless charging. But you get so much more out of it. If you're really into watching video on your phone, this thing has like a crazy bunch of like video playback modes and color science for the screen and like crazy stuff like that. And then it has, you know, great audio, as we said, and good for gaming. You gamed on it. I didn't, mm -hmm. but was it solid for that? It was, there it was go. solid. And there are the, there are boost modes. And of course, like do not disturb modes, which most phones, Android phones have at this point, but it was a really good experience, especially considering the high refresh rate, the, the aspect ratio of the screen does make it, it does change things up a little bit, but not to an extent where your gaming actually changes. It's just something to keep in mind is that sometimes you'll get the, um, the black in this bars. case it, yeah, yeah, it's not letterboxing, it's pillar boxing or something like <laughs> That's that. That's what it is, yeah. I'm trying to remember what it's called. But yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a solid phone for all of that. Um, and if anything, if, if, if anyone out there is uh, on the fence about Sony phones in general, let's put it this way. Um, these are the phones that if you want to be a little bit like James Bond or Spider-Man, these are the phones you see in all those movies. So maybe you want to have it that it's way. It's true. <laughs> I mean, look, that's the other thing. Yeah, if you want something unique, like it's hard to get, you know, look, you could go buy an Oppo Find X3 Pro, right? I used it as my main phone for a while, but your band support's going to be really crappy in the US. True. Yes, you're going to be able to rock a phone and show it to people and going to be like, oh, wow, what a piece of beautiful jewelry this is. I'm impressed. <laughs> Where did you get this? I love it. It's unique. Wow. So if you want that unique factor, but you want US support from a company that will give you customer service, will give you a 1-800 number to call, will give you band supports for the 5G in the US, boom, this is your phone. Like, this is... One way to be very different and have a phone that almost nobody else has so if that matters to you that's another thing to look at right yeah 100 percent. still one of the most unique devices you can get and if that matters to you that you want to be different this is this is about as different as you can get 
Yeah, and maybe you were a photographer for a while, you had all the gear, but it was through your job. And right now you're on a budget and you have a lot, you know, this is not a budget phone, but you have some money to spend and you're like, you know, I'm going to, I want a one device that does it all. And I want those alpha modes because I miss my alpha camera and I can't mm -hmm. afford an alpha camera anymore. Maybe that's, maybe that's a very, again, it's very niche. And I think this is kind of why I love this Sony. I love the nicheness of it all. I love that they're not mm -hmm. afraid to be like, yeah, of course you do that. You know, yeah. so more of that Sony, but please give us the rest too. We want the kitchen sink as well, right? <laughs> Agree. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much my review at this point. So, do you want to switch to yeah some uh, some news? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, looks like we have ourselves the uh, Moto G stylus on deck now. I don't. I, I haven't gotten a chance to take a look at this at all. Um, but yeah, we, we have ourselves a 90 hertz display, Moto G stylus with, of course, it's in the name, you have the stylus there, and a very large battery. Um, I'm trying to see, oh, a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Moto does that a lot. They, they don't skimp on battery, which is nice. Yeah. Um, around this price point, I do see that there are some other contenders, like um, as we're seeing here, is, was it $299, $300? Yeah, yeah, it's $300. Bucks. Around this price point, didn't we just also get, um, it's only on Verizon, but the TCL30 V5G is also yep. around the same price. It looks like in this price bracket, we're starting to see more contenders. And it's nice that Moto is making sure that they differentiate themselves, not just with a larger battery per se, but like a stylus. Like I, I will admit that there's nothing but like a note that I use a stylus on most of the time. Like mm -hmm. an S Pen is the main way that I have a stylus in my mobile devices. But I'm not going to discredit the fact that it's a useful feature to have um, in order in order to do some writing, maybe some precision tapping and whatnot. Um, and for Moto to continue, I mean, this might be we're uh, how many years into having Moto G stylus or stylus Motos for a while? It's now? like the third generation. This one we got one early 2020. Mm -hmm. And then we got one in 21. We got two in 21. We got a 5G model later on in 21 as well. And then we got this 22. So yeah, it's three, three generation. You know, my take on this is I played with the Moto G Power 2022 last year at the end. They actually released the 22 model like in November or something. It was funny. Yeah, look. And, and this is their first kind of, that new design language you see in this Engadget article I linked to is that new camera pod design language. That G Power was the first with that. It was also mm. the first in the G series with a 90 hertz display. And, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because this is kind of a step up from that. So this cranks the resolution up from 720 to 1080, but it's sim a similar processor, this Helio G88. Uh, I believe that's what it's using. And it has no 5G and it has a 50 megapixel sensor. Uh, again, very much like this G Power, but with a better resolution display and a stylus for like about $100 more. And so, you know, I think that there's kind of a pattern here. We're seeing Moto make these phones a little more affordable, those stylus phones, because the 5G stylus last year was really quite expensive, almost 500 bucks or something for a phone with, you know, like a Snapdragon 480, I think 5G, <laughs> it's just a little bit weird. I mean, it's a good phone overall. I reviewed it for Geekspin, but I think the, the previous, the 4G version last year was also pricier than this. So I think that they're, you know, delivering pretty decent package for the price. But then you have OnePlus. Remember, there's a phone from OnePlus that's almost a year old out there called the OnePlus N200 
5G, which costs about $200. Now, it doesn't have a stylus, but remember, this is a capacitive stylus, so you could just get a capacitive pen and install like Evernote on there and be pretty yeah. much on par with this phone if you're willing to put a little stylus in a case next to your, you know, OnePlus. And you're going to say, well, Miriam, come on. It's got 5G, yeah, but the <laughs> OnePlus has like a 13 or 16 megapixel main camera. This is a 50. I've got news for you. After reviewing this G Power last year at the end of the year, the 2022 model, which also has that 50 megapixel sensor, this is the cheapest 50 megapixel sensor money can buy. And honestly, mm -hmm. I hate to say this, but it's this Moto's image processing still just hasn't really evolved enough to be competitive. And mm. I'd rather take the lowly little 13, 16, whatever it is, megapixel camera on the OnePlus with all of BBK's image processing might behind it than this 50 with Moto's relatively poor experience. So... I mean, you the know, megapixel numbers never really tell the whole story usually. So, I mean, a 50 megapixel camera might be great, but there's a lot of voodoo that has to happen in order for those pictures to actually come out pretty well. And I don't think it's a bad sensor per se. It's probably an Omnivision or a really cheap Samsung sensor, but it's um, just not like they can, you can tell it's first gen. Like they don't know how to process the data coming out of it. Like mm -hmm. the previous Moto G's styluses with lesser cameras or 48 megapixel sensors would did so much better. And I don't think it's the sensor. I think it's because it's the first time they're using. So I, I don't have this phone. So hopefully this is the second one. So maybe they've improved that. But yeah. the, the reality is this. Look, there's going to be a 5G version of this phone at some point, probably in the summer, which a different processor. Maybe hopefully we get that 695 5G, the, the Qualcomm chip, or we get a Dimensity of some kind, right? That would be great. That would be nice. But if it can be only $50 more 5G, I'd, I'd wait for that because 354 5G version of this would be cool. 300 mm -hmm. for this, it's hard to justify when, you know, the only key thing here is the stylus. Right. Yeah, ultimately. And around this price point, you have to have like maybe just one or two specific things that might differentiate it because everything else is going to be sort of at the same level. Um, so I agree with you there. Um, the Helio, by the way, I hope nobody really sleeps on that. MediaTek has been putting out some pretty great um, budget friendly processors um, as of late. So, you know, but uh, couple that with a 90 hertz refresh rate, you can get some pretty good gaming done on this. I know I hope my brain always goes to that to that portion of a phone, but I think you can get some pretty decent gaming done on this, especially with a high refresh rate screen. Kudos to them for putting that on there. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the G Power, I had, had another Helio G series, I think maybe a slightly lesser one. And it yeah. was fine. It, it wasn't spectacular, but it was fine. And I've used many G Helio higher end G chips from MediaTek and they're fine. I, yeah. I just feel that their dimensities are one step even the the cheapest dimensity like the 700 is seems a little more refined in terms of performance to me than any of the g helio 4g chips but you know let's see what happens with the 5g model i think you know if you can get a really good deal on this like if you're you know you want a second phone or a phone for your kids or whatever or you're on a mm -hmm. budget and you really have a limit i wouldn't even spend i would not spend 300 on this i would wait for a discount through a carrier or like a prepaid carrier or even better what always happens with motor phones is they go down in price very rapidly after they're announced so if you can get this that for 250 or 200 100 great phone um, but because there are 200 phones that are 5G, like you said, the TCL, I said the OnePlus, you know, do you really want to justify the stylus? Yes, it's stored in the phone. That is nice. But <laughs> it's not like a stylus like on the Galaxy where it's active, Bluetooth and all that. You're not going to get any of that fanciness here. Yeah, so. agreed. Well, you 
you did say the big uh, galaxy word, so there is a little bit of news in that regard as well. Uh, we, were, we were also talking a lot about processor talk, so we're going to put the two together here. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. Unpacked is only days away. Like, there's so much that is not answered yet that will be answered on the 9th. Um, but we are in a new era of Snapdragon processors. Um, yeah. And the speculation is whether or not we're going to be seeing the fabled Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Man, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. But this is the thing. Samsung is almost traditionally, I will say, but historically, Samsung has had the Snapdragon processors in some phones and their in-house Exynos processors in others. Exactly. I'm expecting that to be the same this year. But mm -hmm. I guess my the, the the leaks right now that we're looking at here are just saying that certain regions will get the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 and others are going to get Exynos. And to me, it's like, cool. But I think my main question, like, because we know that that was going to happen anyway, for the most part, if, if history is anything to go by. But my quick question to, to this is, even outside the Samsung stuff, have we, have you, Miriam, touched mm -hmm. any phones with the new processor in it yet? I don't, I haven't yet. Um, I can't talk about it. Oh, fair enough. Because so I was going to say, you draw your own conclusions. <laughs> there's always a mad dash to get it in the first phone of the year, usually from Chinese right. companies. But like, I haven't, I, I've had no, like, I haven't been able to really. I don't benchmark at all, but I haven't experienced it. Is what I'm trying to say. So you, you, you were at Qualcomm. We actually sat down, did the benchmarks. Like, you, yeah, there's a photo of us doing the benchmarks at Qualcomm. Yes. So we, we have an idea. Uh, and we've published our stories for that. You can see mine on hot hardware. But um, I think that for me, it's like, you know, this is very much what I was expecting. Like I, you know, figured Europe and a lot of you know, parts of Asia, parts of, definitely the Middle East and, mm -hmm. and stuff would get the Exynos. And then other parts of Asia, like Japan, Korea, China would get the Qualcomm. And, you know, North America would get the uh, Qualcomm as well. And it looks like South America is getting Qualcomm as well. So that kind of lines up to me with what I was expecting. So nothing new, but it's good to see a leak because for a while there, there's a lot of speculation that the S22 would be Qualcomm worldwide um, because the Exynos was released late, you know, and um, yeah, but seems to me that they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't go through all the effort of creating a flagship level chip that can compete with the best and mm -hmm. then not, launch one of their flagship phones with it you know so sorry europe i know you're probably frustrated that you're gonna get an exynos s22 but look oh, you never yeah. know maybe it'll be faster and better than the 8 gen 1 from qualcomm this time like i know the radios are not going to be as high-end because qualcomm really hasn't that nailed but you also don't have to deal with millimeter wave and all the weird bands we have to deal with mm -hmm. so and as you know, China has every freaking 5G possible. So that's why they want the Qualcomm chips there too. And Korea, oh, of course. They're yeah, that do, does make sense. Of course, sense. they're going to do Qualcomm in Korea. That's their home turf, right? <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. I mean, you could argue that, of course, they want to do Exynos in Korea because it's home turf. But I think they also have this variety of 5G that they need all this stuff. So I don't know. I think, look, let's see what happens. Let's see when we finally get benchmarks of these phones, we'll know. But benchmarks don't tell the story. I think that mm -hmm. my biggest fear and my biggest concern, and I think why the Europeans are worried right now, is that the image processing on the Exynos galaxies have always been a little lesser than the image processing quality coming out of the Qualcomm galaxies. Has that been your experience too, Josh? Um, I, I can't remember. I I can't remember the last time I had an Exynos. Variant. I was going to say, yeah, you probably yeah. haven't. Neither have I. But Empirically, from everybody that we know, like SAF and the folks in Europe that have access yeah. to these Exynos, 
their content seems to reflect that. So yeah, I can just see the exasperated thumbnails from Saf and Tech Chap right now of like, you know, all of the Exynos versions. <laughs> I know. Uh, but look, folks, just don't panic. Okay. Like there'll be, uh, there'll be others. In fact, in fact, if you look at our topics right now, I've got to jump into this uh, real quick. There is rumors of, and, and this is funny because I had Michael Fisher on the show not too long ago. And we were mm-hmm. like, I think it was Michael. We were like, why don't they make an uh, OnePlus 10 Ultra? And so oh, there's man. been a bunch of rumors about that since then. And and one of the rumors we have now is a patent drawing that outlines a phone that looks a lot like the one. Plus 10 Pro, but with a periscope rear lens and something that looks like it might be like a push to stamp style display, like the Mi 11 Ultra had last year. Mm-hmm. And and so that makes sense to me. You see, I think the Oppification OnePlus means they're going to launch in China first. Now, I got that. And of course, before Chinese New Year, which is happening now, which is the not Chinese New Year, it's really the <laughs> Lunar New Year. It's the year of the tiger yeah. this year. Happy Lunar New Year, everyone. But yeah. the thing is, I think that we might actually get to see an Ultra as well, and it might come to the US. And because to me, the 10 Pro right now is so evolutionary. It feels like it should be an $800 phone that replaces the 9. And so mm. we need something better. If you're going to make a thousand dollar phone one plus in the US, it better be able to play with the S22 Ultra, right? Well, two two things jump out of me about this. I mean, of course, these are like drawn, hand-drawn renders and whatnot and suggesting that, yes, that little rectangle on the back there is a periscope camera, but next to it might be a screen. I, I'm not holding my breath. I think it's just going to be one of those, like, maybe that's where they write Hasselblad, who knows? <laughs> yeah, but, right. <laughs> um, but two things stand out to me. One was that, that it could be a display on the back. And as much as I would enjoy that, I honestly don't think it'll be the case. But the fact that this particular phone, if it were to come out, OnePlus 10 Ultra could go Dimensity over Snapdragon. And I'm like, good for you, MediaTek. Like, I would love to see more of that because the Dimensities on multiple phones last year were, I want to call it like last year's like pleasant surprises because they did a great job for, for their price points. For sure. But I see the Diamond C9000 being more of like a, an India play, like a OnePlus 10R or mm-hmm. even a OnePlus 10, if they ever make a OnePlus 10 for the carriers in the US. Although in the US, they probably want a Snapdragon. So meh. 10R in India, I see the 9000. I Look, we don't know anything about, we never got to benchmark the 9000. Everybody told us at MediaTek, it's going to compete. And we, I, be, I want to believe it. I, I, I would be on board with the OnePlus 10 Ultra with the Dimensity 9000, to be honest with you, if it yeah. can play with the big leagues, which they, you know, they, they've assured us it can. But I just feel that, you know, if you look at BBK Group's strategy, they've always put the Qualcomm chips in the highest end stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Always. That's fair to, yeah. And I don't see that changing. You know, even some of their upcoming phones are still putting Qualcomm in the mid-range in some phones. So it's yeah. like interesting because you, I, I would go Dimensity for 5G all the way if I was making an affordable mid-range right now. Like it, it's a mm-hmm. no-brainer. Why would you go for a Snapdragon 480 5G, which is meh, or the 695 5G, which is probably decent, but still not as good as like a, you know, a 780 5G or something. So, yeah, definitely. you know, 
Uh, you, you, since you brought up the OnePlus side of things, um, I'm guessing you and Michael or whoever it might have been at the time. Um, but I wanted to ask you, first of all, shout out to any of the creators who actually imported the, the 10 Pro. That's a level of commitment I don't have right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them got, I mean, some Marquez got his Sudi brand, which is a good, great partnership to have. That's nice. But yeah. I think others, yeah, definitely paid for it. It looks like. So how do you feel about, you, you You said it in a phrase earlier, the opification of OnePlus. Like, I didn't want to call it the demise of OnePlus because it's not. <laughs> but like, how do you feel about this shift that the company has oh made? Oh my God. This has been the topic of the podcast for the last every show, I think. Everybody oh, I've has. had. Okay, I Don't worry about it. No, I'm happy to discuss it again. I just feel like, <laughs> it's just a rant. Like, I'm just like, I'm just like it's a very murky strategy. Like, if it was a weld, I, I'm not upset that it's changing change is inevitable and it's been very clear for a while now that oneplus is more interested in being a mainstream brand yeah but there's no clear strategy yet and i you know i had a conversation with ryan over at oneplus oppo right and and you know he basically say stay put so i i kind of want to believe that there is a strategy mm -hmm. it's just a little crazy right now because things are getting realigned and i think supply chain challenges are not making this easier either so i think let's be patient i'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt if i were running the show what i would do is make oneplus the western brand yeah. like North America and Europe. I would still sell Oppo in Europe because there's brand equity there. But I would say for North America, I would try to like that Oppo Fine N, which I have in my pocket and I absolutely love. I would make a OnePlus version of that for the US only. Go crazy. Mm. Or maybe mm -hmm. sell it in China too so you can justify it because you know you have probably have a marketplace for that there. But make that for the US and we definitely bring us a OnePlus 10 Ultra. That's, you know... $1,000 and undercuts and overperforms, you know, the S22 Ultra, you know, because the S22 Ultra, because of care deals, BOGOs and everything, is going to be discounted down to $1,000 very quickly, you know, yeah. and possibly less with trades. You know, I bought a Z Flip 3 not too long ago for $180 <laughs> by trading in a Wait. couple of phones. Oh, okay. I was about to say, like, how did you find that deal? No, no, I traded in a couple <laughs> of phones. But my point, the fact is that I was able to get it for 10% of its price, or, well, yeah. not quite, but 20% of its price is incredible. So, so the point is, I think they're never going to reach that with OnePlus in the US. They don't quite have that might yet of the BOGO and the carrier support and the trade-in facilities to do that. So if they can, in some way, make a better phone in some ways, not all the ways, then they S22 Ultra and sell it for $1,000 up front, then we're going to be impressed, right? Especially mm -hmm. with Hasselblad and all that. And it's a second gen. So hopefully now this Hasselblad tuning is better and improved. You know, the 10 Pro reviews so far, meh, don't show that it's much more than an evolution, but, you know, let's see how it, ho how it goes. And what simultaneously, what I really want to do, what if I were in charge, I would bring the Nord 3 or whatever it's going to be called, to the US as a carrier phone with MediaTek Dimensity 9000 or Dimensity even 1200 uh, or whatever the, the current mid-tier top 1000 chip is because yeah. the Nord 2 last year was brilliant and we didn't get it here and this is the perfect carrier phone. It can be a Pixel 6 competitor, you know, basically 500 bucks, all the trimmings, OIS on a IMX 766. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Like, Honestly, here's the thing. I have one. It took better photos than the OnePlus 9, which didn't have OIS. Really? Of course, because it had OIS and it's the same sensor. 
the yeah. IMX, the one that was in the ultra wide last year. So it's the same I sensor see. as the Oppo Find X3 Pro on a five hundred dollar phone with OIS. That is a you big do deal. The math. And those sen those sensors on the X3 Pro are still chef's kiss. And BBK knows how to tune them. Yeah, Oppo has. Like and even OnePlus has done a very good job of that. So I think we don't need a ten. I don't want to see a ten. I want to see a super competitive kind of like pleasing the old school OnePlus crowd, pseudo flagship, upper mid range, whatever you want to call it, premium mid ranger, you know, budget flag, whatever. That's like in carrier store from T Mobile, especially for five hundred bucks, and gives you something that nobody can touch other than maybe buying a Pixel Six. You know. And yeah. then I would go all out for the rest of it. Just 10 Ultra, all the trimmings, you know, poke at the big bear that is Samsung. But I'm not <laughs> sure if they're willing to do that. And, and I'm a little worried that we're not going to get that. Yeah, I'm, I, I can see that. And, I, and I, agree with, I agree with all of the points that, especially since OnePlus does have a foothold here in the West, they really have to go all in on that if they want to, number one, keep it. But number two, it's just a matter of historically what OnePlus has meant to the users in, across the world. It's different now, and that's why everyone's talking about it. That's why I was curious what your thoughts were, because I'm seeing other people with the 10 Pro, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know if I'm going to like it when I get it, <laughs> like if I ever do, that is. Yeah, right now, I'm not too excited. I, I kind of want to like it and be excited, but I'm just like, the cat's out of the bag, and we're going to get a version of that with Oxygen OS. Good, but like, you know, mm -hmm. is there anything really redeeming there? Yeah. Really, the pricing will make it. Like, if it's if this thing is more than eight hundred dollars, I really, I'll be able to say that OnePlus has lost the plot and that that mm -hmm. strategy is is broken. And yeah. maybe they'll rectify next year. But I I think they broke it last year. There are things like things were not great last year. The the nine Pro was not the most exciting phone, and the nine because it cut corners like no OIS was literally catering to the carriers and, and i think was a disaster and mm -hmm. so like they already know that so like i hope they rectify this year i don't know yeah well um it looks like we're coming up on the wire here i don't know uh, um you know what there's a couple of more things since we're talking about bbk maybe we can talk quickly about a folding clamshell rumor so you know let's do it yeah how they have the upper fine end which is kind of like a small form factor z fold i guess you know you could say that i actually love that form factor and then same you know obviously oppo is going all out this year with all kinds of launches from what i hear so we're i think this is possible a z flip competitor from oppo that's maybe more affordable i can see that and i'm on board that's basically all i have to say about this piece of but i want to share with the audience because i'm like we got to keep an eye on this this could be good that's true Right? That's true. And the clamshell foldable is starting to gain steam. Uh, not to say that it's on the same level of competitor with Samsung and Oppo, given everything that's happened, but the Huawei, the P, the, what was it? The P P50 Pocket. Yeah. yeah. The P50 Pocket. Yeah. Shouts out to anyone who was able to get that phone out in Asia. Like that does look pretty cool. Yeah. I, I pinged uh, Huawei for one and I haven't heard back yet. I think they're very low on devices, is what they were saying. So I, I might get one at some point, but stay tuned. Um, then, you know, the other thing I want to point out is that we've kind of touched it last week a little bit. There's some Pixel 6a leaks that are kind of building up even more. This one's funny, though. Yeah, this is. <laughs> like, yeah. So please, please tell us. OK, um, so apparently uh, the Pixel 6a was sort of mentioned in a piece of swag that was given to the Pixel Superfans group. Um, it was a coloring book sent out alongside 
a Nest Audio smart speaker. Um, and by the way, Pixel Super fans, shouts out to any of you that might be listening. I um, I hosted the Pixel Super fans event when the Pixel Six Pro came out, so nice. shouts out to everyone there. Um, but yeah, there was it was like limited edition swag, and inside of it, there was a table of contents that actually like there were a lot of things, and it looks like pretty much everything in the book it was a coloring book after all it was all like handwritten it was all very custom but apparently in the table of contents there was something that said pixel 6a and google themselves have never even mentioned that an a version of the 6 is going <laughs> to come out yet and obviously we're still in the middle like early on in the cycle of the pixel 6 lineup so it's like this is the first tiny little inkling and i guess in my in, in my head i keep thinking to myself the the lines have been blurred over the last couple of years as to whether or not Google actually does this stuff on purpose or is on accident. <laughs> and I love that we can't tell. Um, and that's what this is right now, is that for a company that could curate literally everything that they release to fans and customers, this somehow slips through the cracks. I don't know if I believe that. No, I think this is intentional. And I think we've seen that it started with the Pixel 4, Right. It, all these rumors and they dropped that tweet with like that kind of like dark, you know, that showed the camera pot. Since then, I think the Google marketing team is on <laughs> effing point, dude. They're doing this. They know what they're doing. Look, every time there's leaks about a Pixel, we get what we see, right? Like it's absolutely accurate. So we've seen leaks of the Pixel 6a design already and we know what it's going to look like. It's going to be a junior Pixel 6 mm -hmm. <laughs> cosmetically, but it's going to have the, the Tensor chip and last year's, you know, legacy camera sensors, which I think is very smart because they're so well-tuned. I think it was one of my recent guests, we were talking about that. And I was like, I think the 5A right now takes probably better tuned photos than the 6 and 6 Pro with the main sensor because they're still trying to get eek all the possibilities out of this massive, you know, 50 megapixel Samsung sensor they have and the pixel binning and all the complications that it brings. And I, re I respect that. It's going to take a few generations for them to, to master this. And it's okay. Because when they do, it'll be better than a 5A ever was. But yeah, right yeah. now, you put them, sometimes I feel like the 5A takes better photos. And so maybe the 6A is kind of like going to be surprising us by being affordable and take almost slightly better photos than the 6A because it's going to benefit from the Tensor too. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. So I'm excited about the 6A. Because, man, the A-phones have just made me smile and happy Yeah, so much in the last few years. It's such a breath of fresh air. When those phones come out, I'm constantly telling people who ask me, like, what should I get? I don't have a whole lot of money to spend. It's the easiest recommendation to make every single year. 100%. And last year, you know, I reviewed it for Hot Hardware, and I was just like, I got it in my hand. I was like, oh, man, this is like a 4A, you know, revisited, and... Uh, and then I started using it, Josh, and I was just like smitten. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. This is even better than the 4A because it's water resistant now. And it's a little narrower, like eh, such little refinements. I think when you iterate, and this is, I think, why people love the iPhone so much. I mean, there's a lot of lock-in. and But if you look at it in the absolute, there's a lot to be said about just iterating. Mm -hmm. Just slightly changing things year after year. Even Samsung's doing it in many ways. If you think the S22 Ultra is going to be that much different than last year's S21 Ultra, you're you're mistaken. So newer chip, you get a stylus. Like I'm I'm speculating. I have no idea, right? But from all the leaks and rumors we've had, like you're going to get a stylus, you're going to get, you know, a newer processor, 
but they're going to stick with the same formula because guess what? It works. And if you can iterate and tune and fine tune, it's a better experience. And I think no other phone than the Pixel 5a ever made me feel that way. Totally boring phone that totally blew my mind when I started using it. The, the whole um, like just iterating and just sort of refining it tiny bit by tiny bit. That sounds familiar um, to, to, to bring it back full circle. That's a Sony thing. <laughs> totally is so hey we have like a few more minutes before we have to do the 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 credits and stuff do you want to like jump in quickly on maybe some of this iphone rumors because i've been putting them off like i've been putting off discussing these rumors for two or three weeks now and i think (laughs) that they're getting more and more important because every time we're getting we're getting more confirmation of them so the two rumors are an iphone 14 pro We'll have a punch hole instead of a notch, like an oblong oval, like we've seen on the Nord One, the original, or like on the many Huawei phones, right, in the past, like the P40 series. And remember even the Galaxy, was it the Galaxy S10 series had that oblong hole on some of the models? Okay. Yep, it did. And then- The pill. The other rumor is, of course, an iPhone SE 5G. But what struck me about those rumors is that it's just adding 5g with a new processor to the existing se chassis and camera system or maybe improving the cameras a little bit but not adding a second one which i'm like what are you doing so what's your take i mean that's what i'm hearing but i was who knows maybe they'll give us a new chassis but you know i think they're trying to leverage that iphone 8 chassis for another generation i guess and i don't see why not like right I, I when it comes to the se bring it on i i love to see different variations of the iphone earlier you were saying how like you know because I, I know that i come from an android background but i will admit that after going solo like i carry two phones at all times and one of them is usually an iphone of course but there are very specific reasons for it is because i i wear a glucose monitor and the iphone ios just integrates with dexcom way better than android does so i have to keep it on but that being said the SE, again, like we just said how the 5A, the 4A, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, were super easy phones to recommend. The same goes for the SE. And if it's somebody that's in the Apple ecosystem or is in a family that has Apple products, mm-hmm. you can just like introduce someone into the Apple ecosystem via an SE. I don't really like that this uh, this article is... Um, well, it's not the article's fault. It's not the writer's fault. I'm just saying that the speculation is it's going to be called the iPhone SE Plus. Let's be real here. It's going to be called the iPhone SE 2022 because that's yeah. what the last yep. SE was called. Um, I would look forward to it a whole lot. Um, and I think that an SE, I mean, I just want to, it, it, as a tech reviewer, if you're not able to get one from Apple, it's the easiest phone to get and then do content on because it's the cheapest yes, one. because it's so affordable. <laughs> like I feel like I want this to be a slight variation on what we have like keep it the same size maybe give it an OLED instead of an LCD and then give it a second ultra wide camera it doesn't have to be the super fanciest one and please give us the proper night mode that the SE deserves because the current SE doesn't have the night mode functionality you see on even the iPhone 11, I think. So we need to go. I think they have to put like some real thought into the cameras because if you, if, if after all the hubbub that the iPhones um, made in their last release cycle. Oh my God, yeah. Um, you have to put some of those things in the SE or else everyone's going to be pissed off. Like imagine an SE coming out that didn't have cinematic mode. Like people, even though no one uses cinematic mode, people are going to be like, I mean, come on, you're not going to try to put it in the SE. Like people will complain. Yeah. That being said, for the mainline devices, Okay, this notch is something Crazy. that we're so used to. I'm looking at one right now on my Mac. Like, this <laughs> is something that we're used to at this point. I 
have really no opinion on whether or not it should go to a pill and a dot. I actually think it looks kind of nice. You know what? I kind of like this pill and dot thing because it reminds me, remember when the iPhones had white bezels, Mm -hmm. which I really loved? I'm kind of bummed actually that the current SE is only available with a black bezel, even if you buy the white model. Um, and you lose that kind of like, I know they're trying to make it look modern and stuff by doing that. So you can't see the bezels, but the reality is, you know, I love the white bezel on the older iPhones. Um, and it had that, remember it had that slit for the speaker and that dot for the, uh, for the actual camera. And I think that if you could replicate that in a screen today, like you still, I think it would still brand as an iPhone. You know, because people could relate to what, remember how a long time before the notch, before the iPhone 10, we had, you know, the, the, the pseudo generic iPhone bezel thing that would put around apps when they would do PR materials. Right. And it always was the white bezel one with the clearly in that pattern is a iPhone pattern. And I think they could kind of wean themselves out of this notch that they've been kind of fell into and I kind of stuck in now by doing something that kind of reminds people of these old bezels on these old iPhones and still make it fresh and give us our face ID and give us Mm -hmm. an even more futuristic looking phone. Well, so, would it fit in the pill and dot? Because like the, we've been told for years that the reason why this is so big is because it needs to be able to fit all the Face ID tech. But maybe they've like, miniaturized it. This is Apple with billions so. of dollars. And you know, I'm sure they're working hard on it. And if you're listening, Apple, I know you're not. But if you are, <laughs> <laughs> please give us a in-power button fingerprint sensor in addition to Face ID on that new iPhone because it's such a delight on the iPad uh, Air. and you know, with the pandemic, even though I know there's a software update coming out that lets you use your iPhone face ID with a mask, I still think I would want a bit more security. And I know like for for my spouse who uses an iPhone SE, part of the reason they don't want to switch to the notch and face ID is because they just love having the touch ID stuff. The, the actual home button, yeah. So, so giving them a choice, if they want to go, they're going to eventually have to go to a new iPhone that doesn't have a bezel and a front home button. And when they do that, it would be nice for them to have another option. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of people out there who are still very put off by, you know, the, the this face ID and this notch thing. Mm, fair enough. But uh, at least it's going to look a little more minimal. So for gamers and content content consumption people like myself we're not going to have this whole like section cutting into our content anymore so i'm i'm, I'm all for that <laughs> ah me too i i think these rumors are interesting and probably pretty accurate but again i know i'm probably not going to get that because economies of scale and supply issues we're probably going to get essentially an, an iphone 8 chassis with a 5g chip and i think part of that is because the 5g is getting very necessary with at&t dropping 3g now uh Mm -hmm. if you have an iphone sc on at&t you're like pretty much having to use lte for everything and that's limiting you a little bit i think so with 5g rolling out nationwide now i think uh you want you definitely want a phone that has 5g bands of some kind so and then you know get the latest processor and you're set for what four or five years of iphone updates so you know it's not a totally. bad deal. All right, Josh, you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internets, all the yeah. different things you do. You do so much stuff. 
I do. Um, and it's starting to, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even able to keep up with it myself half the time anymore. Uh, but in any <laughs> case, um, we did have some articles here. If you look in the show notes over at pocket now, where I actually do some videos on pocket now's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash pocket now. Uh, however, for the rest of pretty much everything else, uh, you can find me across the interwebs. Just look up my name, Joshua Vergara. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. I'm doing my best on there. Uh, my handle on all three networks is JV tech T. I love tech and I love to drink me some tea over on YouTube. My main content is just under my full name, Joshua Vergara. Yes, folks, please subscribe to all the channels and follow Josh because it's great content. I love your videos. They're just nice. Oh, thank you. And if you want to hit us up on Twitter to discuss this podcast, you know what Josh's handle is. And mine, of course, is Tankerl at T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character, just drop the vowels. You know the drill by now. So yeah. Hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts about this podcast, questions, comments, whatever. And then look at my handle on Instagram, also at TNKGRL, for some photos of phones, photos taken with phones, photos of cars, since I do a lot of EV-type reviews for Tech Radar. And then you know where the podcast lives. It lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. There's an RSS feed there if you're old school, but you know we're on all the platforms. So Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe, tell your friends. And if your app lets you review or rate the show, please do. That also helps. There's a couple of YouTube channels you can subscribe to that are related to the podcast with visuals. So if you know, you're know you not subscribed to our Patreon, which I'm going to talk about in a second to watch the video version of the show, check out the YouTube. You're going to see the unboxings of a lot of the phones that we're discussing right now. YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast is one of them and YouTube.com slash mobile tech more is the other. The first channel is mostly uh, the phone and audio stuff. And then the other channel is everything else. So like travel tech, home automation, car tech, fun stuff. And we're still developing that second channel. So please, you know how YouTube works, you know, like the videos, subscribe to all the channels and comment and click the little notification icons, all that good stuff. Love to see you on YouTube. And remember, you can comment on YouTube about the podcast. I'll field those comments, no problem. Then I also wanted to point out that you can watch this podcast as a video right now on Patreon, and I get it to you a day or two before the audio version. There's a tier for that. There's also a tier for a Discord server. There's a tier for a bunch of other stuff. If you want some more exclusive content, like I actually released an extra 10 minutes that I recorded with Jaime Rivera, we couldn't fit it in the main podcast, so that was a nice little supplement. Consider joining Patreon to get all these perks. Patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash tnkgrl. And I do want to thank the patrons. Thanks so much for being awesome and uh, being on board. It really helps. It helps me support the show. You know, it's really hard to monetize podcasts. So any little bit of help is appreciated. And then we have another option if you don't want to use Patreon. I have a PayPal link in the show notes so you can uh, buy me a coffee um, with a PayPal donation. That would be awesome. And then finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. They've been with us since the early days. They're fantastic. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL for the special deal. That's a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book if you leave at the end. But I think you won't leave because it's Audible. It's the platform for audiobooks. If you're a bookworm like me and you love to read, but you don't want to read because maybe your eyes are tired. I'm from my computer all day, so it's tiring. Or you're on an airplane, it's too dark. I don't have really good eyes, so it's hard for me to read paper anymore unless it's bright enough. 
So you know what? I love Audible because they read it to me. It's great. And they have a ton of books to choose from. They have a lot of books read by the author. They also have shorter content, podcasts, a bunch of stuff. So look, I think you should try it out. It costs you nothing to try it out for 30 days. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. Check it out and it'll help the show and it'll help Audible. Everybody will be happy. So yeah, thanks to Audible for being our longtime sponsor. And thanks to you, Josh, for being my guest yet again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always happy to be on. Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely have you on at some point in the future. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.